Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences, a full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome to the next edition of the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast with me, Helen Williams. This week is another exciting and exclusive interview then of what it takes. I've got a guest with me today who has been in business for a total of 30 years a self-made businessman who's gone into property and now runs market-leading estate agents across Sheffield. That is Whitehorn's Estate Agents. Ian Whitehorn, then, who's with me today, is born and bred in Sheffield from a stereotypically working-class background in Healy, for those of you that are aware of the Sheffield area, raised by his mum as a one of six. So you can understand the background then, just to put that into context, over where Ian has come from, which then gives me the great pleasure to introduce him now to talk about how he has then progressed in business over that 30 years, how he's been successful, what has worked, what hasn't, the different businesses that he's gained experiences in, and really understanding what it takes from a real-life perspective, showing the reality, showing the highs, showing the lows, and and giving you that real-life perspective of what it takes. So, Ian, thank you for joining me today on this interview, and and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Ian, the the main context then here is for the listeners to understand, really, um, as I've just said about, you know, grasping what it takes from your perspective. So I really want to um, hone in on your opinion, your knowledge, your experience over all of your past, really digging in deep over, you know, your experience on what has worked, what hasn't, and giving our listeners some form of encouragement if they're considering then going into business and not sugarcoating anything, you know, (laughs) really showing the reality of what it takes because I'm all for supporting business. I'm all for entrepreneurship. But I often think that a lot of people go into this with the with the rose-tinted glasses on. And I want to know then, therefore, from your perspective, what has it taken from you to come from, you know, your background of a, of a working-class background where you can really be quite pigeonholed into, um, like, not really doing anything with life and your future from, from that stereotypical uh, situation. So give us some more background on that then, please, Ian, well, to start. I, th- I think from my earliest memories, when we were leaving school, that... Um our careers teacher or careers opportunity was limited to for the kids of and, and my kind of peer group and our and our classes at school. You went you were either gonna go down the pits, uh, into the steelworks or onto the building sites. Those were kind of the three main areas that most people I knew went into. It was kind of pick one of the three. That's because that's what you're gonna be. It was there was no other real choice. Uh, and I'd have said probably out of out of my class as many as that I can remember, I can't I can't think of one of them that were uh, even thought about going on to further education or university. There probably was a few that might have been above educationally above us in school, and they probably did that. But people I knew, nobody nobody went in and did their own business. It wasn't even it wasn't even on the radar, not at all. So. Um, We'd had a school trip to uh, to go and have a look down at pits when we were leaving school, and I thought, "There's no way I'm going down there." It was awful. Guys that were down, caps off to them. And just by chance, I think I ended up doing the uh, getting into the building trade. So that was my first foray into work. Okay. Not something I enjoyed. Well, I did enjoy it to a certain extent. It was extremely difficult, hard work. It was just constant hard work. I can remember thinking when I came home from my first week at work when I'd been paid, fantastic. I've got some money to go out with tonight, Friday night, and I sat down and I must have fallen asleep and didn't wake up until the next day. I'd missed it, I was that tired. <laughs> so it wasn't all, there was no glamour about getting paid, I was too tired to do anything with it. So that was kind of the first thing, into the building trade. Okay. And then I flitted from one little building trade job to another without really getting a proper trade. 
ended up mostly at that point uh, still in the kind of building trade but working with a, a guy who I got introduced to as a painter and decorator and I worked with him. Okay, so how did you go then from, you know, flitting between jobs and learning different things as you go, but not necessarily being a master of a, a set trade, as yeah. you've just said. How do you go from that to being uh, a successful business owner? Well, circumstances kind of changed, different things happened. I ended up traveling for quite a while, ended up in America and did similar sort of things over there, moving from one thing to another, but meeting people and dealing with people and getting involved in certain scenarios. That at the time, I didn't give it any second thought about this, uh, how it might help you. But I think moving away there and being independent and doing your own thing and not having a network of family to fall back on if anything went wrong and being the other side of the world, it, it, again, I didn't think about it at the time, but looking back on it, I think it did give you some kind of structure that you thought, this has definitely helped when you did get into business. And then... Probably in my late twenties, I got I got back to England, again really looking around with no prospects of, or plan or structure of what I wanted to do. So I just landed. I'm back here now, looking around, looking at different things, and I, and then I dropped onto one opportunity, which was a, a friend of mine had got uh, some premises in town. It was a hairdresser's. I'd gone along with him that day because he was he was giving notice on his tenant that. Um, that uh, they had to vacate because they'd not paid the rent for like 12 months. And uh, I was having a look, just, I was with him at the time. And it made me think when I came out of there that my partner at the time was a hairdresser, so I kind of had a little small insight into, into the business because that's what she was doing. And I was looking at it thinking, well, why has it failed? Why has this person not been able to pay the rent? What was wrong with it? And it just got me looking at it and thinking, well, from my point of view, looking at that, that it just didn't look right. I wouldn't want to go and have my haircut there. I wouldn't want to go and it was uninviting, it didn't look right, and the, the people didn't look right. I just thought, well, that's probably the reason it's failed. And I spent a couple of days thinking about it and went back to the guy who owned the building and said, would he give me the opportunity to take it over? I spoke to my girlfriend at the time. She could get in there and run it. She had the practical experience to the day-to-day -day work, and I thought, we could make this work. Mm. I had a little bit of money, and we used whatever we had to to renovate and, and, and convert the premises to make it look really nice and inviting and modern. And from that, just doing a little bit of research, it was just at about the time when hairdressers were getting the opportunity not to be employed nine to five, mm. but keep a percentage of the wages. And ridiculously at that time, it was the house kept 80% and the hairdressers got 20%. And I was kind of working these numbers out in my head. I thought, mm, that's not bad. So I spent the next, while we were renovating the property, I spent the next six weeks just going around town, speaking to people in the business, finding out who were the better ones, who were the ones that could, probably could be persuaded to come and work in this new venture. Uh, I ended up with three stylists from when we opened, plus my uh, girlfriend, that made it four. Um, we had a big opening. I had to borrow a little bit of money. I remember going to the bank and I was about a thousand, this is ages I think, and I was about a thousand pounds short. And I went to the bank with this big business plan and they turned me down flat said come back when you've got six to twelve months experience standard kind of thing I thought in six to twelve months I won't need your money and a friend's dad lent it me we got the place open and it went really well and within a year we'd opened another branch wow so it went really well so you not only turned that around from that initial premise you obviously expanded within the first year of operating yeah and but I think what we were able to do is we the first thing is to identify, well, at that time, we were identifying good staff. If you get a good stylist in, that was it. They brought their own kind of following with them. The people regularly use them. And it was very, very simple. Instead of giving them 20%, we gave them 40%. Mm -hmm. And we worked out on the bit that we kept back that was more than enough. Of a margin within that. Yeah, it was a great margin. Yeah. It was, it was, it, it was a, a really, really good business model. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of first foray into a kind of business where you had to work out, this is what I'm getting, how much does it cost me? working out all the numbers um, and like I say my, my partner had all the practical experience to, to run the the, uh, the salon and I didn't really have the experience of running a business it was just using what people a lot of people say a bit of mouth bit of common sense to work out look these are the numbers this is what it costs this is what we got left at the end of the week and, and work it from that and I think it was from then that I was looking at that thinking the numbers look really good but if we had another one then 
we could expand and move that. And it went, fr it went from strength to strength. It, it was a really good little business then. So it's fair to say then that the hairdressing business mm -hmm. back then yeah. was the catalyst effectively into you then having the flavour and the, the, the passion then to start yeah. exploring into business. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. So yeah. what, what next? What came after the second uh, branch of the well hairdressing? The, um, while, while, we were, while we had the hairdressers, financially it was doing pretty well. So then I was looking, thinking, well, just it was a natural kind of progression. We were renting a place at the time. We were looking, at in, looking into buying somewhere. And I went to meet a guy who was a mortgage advisor. And he came to see me in the office. And we talked about what I needed to get together, my accounts, everything to get enough information to get a mortgage from the bank. And I was using a broker. And he came to see me in the office a couple of times. And then I went to his office. And I think that was the first time that like, I got this light bulb moment. And I was looking around his office. And I was just, what are all these guys doing? like Wall Street for me I was thinking wow <laughs> I like this I like the look of it yeah and I just I was in very intrigued and I just I was into him I was quizzing him I was meeting him after work and how did you get into it what did you do what did you do how did you, how did you do this what kind of qualifications do you need mm. um, and because the hairdressers took very little of my time day to day once we got it up and running I did a few attempts at washing hair and sweeping the floor a few of that but they didn't really need me in there it afforded me the time to, to go out and I, I got the information I need to, to take the qualifications to be a mortgage broker, which took me, uh, it was like going back to school then, because my mum was quite pleased that I was back studying, I always remembered it, because when, when, I, when I was at school, I was probably wasting time all the way through school, and I always remember my mother being very disappointed, she said, because you always looked like you had the aptitude to do well, but you just couldn't be bothered. So she was kind of pleased that I was back studying, and it took me about a year or so to get the qualification to to apply to go back in and a mortgage broker. At that time, through our personal circumstances, I had a bit of a fallout with me uh, now, well, that was an ex-partner. Ex um, it wasn't easy, and I just felt it, even though it was my probably my money that started it off, it was, she'd run it on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, I just walked away from it and left it all to her. I thought I've got to start again. Yeah. Um, just started applying for jobs in the mortgage broking. So right. is that what then leads us into in the property side? Uh huh. Yeah. So I got I got a couple of interviews um, uh, as a mortgage broker. I got a job. Uh, it was over a little place in Rotherham. I think I lasted two weeks. I hated it. It was awful. I thought was I that Rotherham in general or the uh, well, no no not Rotherham <laughs> in general. It's a lovely place. Uh, just this this place. I'd ended up working. I thought oh, this is awful. Have I made a mistake? Should I not be doing this? Um, and while I was previously, months and months before, while I was doing my training, I, I'd actually met a guy and I told him who was in this business and I told him what, what I was intending to do and I kept his business card. Not for any other reason. I think I just threw it in a drawer. And during the period where I was thinking, this is a mistake, I don't like this company, I found the business card and thought, I'm going to give this guy a ring. Called him up, he got me in. He gave me three interviews. And I never got to see beyond the main door. It was always in an office on the outside. Mm. And I was thinking, what's going on in there? And out of the blue, he just called me up and said, do you want me to come down? And he gave me the job. It was it's a mortgage broker, commission only. And I, by this time then, we'd moved on. I'd got another partner. And we'd just got somewhere to live. We bought a place. We'd knocked it around so there was hardly anything inside it. And then she was pregnant and she had to leave a job. And I was just starting a commission only. Oh dear. And it wasn't <laughs> great. Financially, not good at all. And as you can imagine, it caused a few issues in my personal life. It was more of a case of you've got to stop doing this and go out and get a job that gives you a wage uh -huh. instead of just trying this. So we went backwards and forwards and I kind of stuck to my guns. It was very difficult financially for quite a while. Mm. She's not at work, uh, off on maternity leave. Then we get. We had, a, uh, we had a little boy, uh, she went back to work nearly immediately because she had to. And it was just a case of getting out there and, and just kept going. Yeah. Just kept going. That's interesting you say that about keeping going, which I'm going to then hold that thought and revisit it. Yeah. But just to go back on what you mentioned about the numbers on the hairdressing yeah. business, when you was reviewing and you're yeah. analysing, why is this not working? Yeah. You knew what you had to look at and, and work out your margins and even extend it in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, the profit share. Yeah. 
Would you say the numbers is the number one key component to success in business? Well, if you don't get your numbers right, you can't succeed. Mm -hmm. So I think it is, it's vitally important. Yeah. Because if they're not right, it, it just doesn't work. So yeah, it is a vital cog uh -huh. in, the, in the wheel. It's not the only thing, but if you haven't got that, then nothing happens. Yeah. If you haven't got your numbers right. You could have, you can have a great product, you can have a great service, and you can have all the different aspects. But I think looking back on any successful business, they have a number of different attributes, yeah. and they, they all have to work. If they're not all working in sync, and you've only got the odd one here and there, you know, that's really good and that's really good. But the middle one's not there, there's no connectivity. Mm -hmm. it, you will fail. So you would put numbers at the centre? Yeah. Yeah. As a vital. As a vital kind of core element yeah, yeah. of the success. Yeah. And the bloodline, effectively, yeah, yeah, because yeah, without yeah. the numbers, that there is no there is no blood, is there? No, you no. know, let's be fair. So then, explain what your other attributes that you would have to, to make that to make that wheel work. Well, I've got to uh, getting into uh, mortgage broking. I could see in the business other people that were obviously doing financially better than me. That was the thing that kept me going thinking if they're doing it and we're, we're sat in the same office we've got the same kind of products we're doing the same thing to the same public yeah how can they get that and i'm only getting this mm. so it was looking at that and thinking just looking at other people and looking at their habits what did they do how did they do it what are they saying if it's in a sales environment what are they saying differently to me and it's just looking at those and then the way that this company was structured is that we were all self-employed, commission only, but then they had team leaders, and then the team leader was same basis, but he had a team underneath him. That guy got a percentage of everybody else in his team's commission. It built right up, and they were quite open and honest with all the figures. And I'm thinking, well, if you can get to that, and you can build a team, so you got people. That, that's basically a group structure. You got people working for you, and then you get a bit of this and a bit more of that. And I, and I could just see the the structure of how it worked. So if you if you were only looking back onto how, how that bit like the, the hairdressing, if I'd have four stylists and they were earning this a week and I was keeping the percentage of that, if I had ten, it worked onto this and, and building it up. So it was a similar sort of scenario in the, in, in working out back back to the back to the numbers. And I use and I've used this time and time again. What do I need? What do I physically need on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis? What What's the bottom line figure I need? How do I get that? And then above, what do I need is what do I want? Do I want more? That's the number that I want. Well, how do I get to that number then? So, and I went backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards with this. And at the time, because, as I said, growing up where we grew up, nobody did this kind of thing. Nobody thought like that. So a lot of where this was coming from is that the guy I was was helping me getting into mortgage broking he also got me into a lot of reading different kind of books and positive mental attitude pma getting into all this and when i started reading things like that I'm, i almost had to read them in private because the people that i in my peer group saw me reading something like that they were saying what's going on what's happening here what, what, what's happened to you yeah where who are you yeah. So I was, I, I, honestly, I was hiding them away. Yeah. I, I only ever read them at home. And I, I, even my partner then, she was looking at me like, and I was trying to explain to her, look, if we did this, this, and this, mm. um, and then I could do this, this, and this, and she was just looking at me going, what are you doing? Just go to work. Yeah. Will you just go to work and earn some money, please? Because we, we, we've got bills to pay. <laughs> but I'm saying, no, if we did this, 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 and this, then we could do this. and. And you don't see it straight away. It's never straight away. It's just, and it just, it's just persistence. And I've had a lot of people ask me lots of different things in the past. And what, what, what is it you need to succeed? And everybody will say it's hard work. Everybody's, but everybody's hard work. Hard work and talent in business. Talent is, yeah, you need it. But and everybody says it's, it's just hard work. It's not hard work. It's not hard work at all. That's, that's kind of a given. The hard work and the talent for me are, things that, that you, you should expect of anybody that you employ anybody that's got a job there's loads of people work hard no matter what you do you can be a bar i, I went to a, into a bar and i've never seen it as busy the staff could not be working harder they, they just couldn't mm. they were they, they probably massively over capacity the staff were run off the feet 
but their hourly rate would not change. They got the same last night as they'll get tonight mm. and there'll be nobody there tonight. And it doesn't mean that those individuals that are working hard in their capacity and their role doesn't mean to say that just because they work hard, they're cut out for business. No, 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 at all. No, not at all. So I think they're different. They, 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 there's other attributes. And I think one of them is a bit of tenacity. It's a bit of grit mm. that just Yorkshire says... Yorkshire grit. <laughs> yeah, well, I know we have a bit of that, but I think it's just that. There's just a, a vision and, and the, the determination and, and, and a will not to give in mm. if you think it's right. But, I mean, you can do that and then you can go right down one road and realise it's not worked out. And it's at that time you think, well, what didn't work? And you, if you're at a crossroads, you can either give it up. And I've seen plenty of people in the last 30 years have got that far and then decided it's not for them and move on. I decided it was and just evolved. What's really interesting there, Ian, is when you've said about you looking up to the people that were earning more in the mortgage yeah. environment. Yeah. So what we call that in coaching is mirroring and modelling. Yeah. So you're looking at somebody else that is where you want to be effectively yeah. in terms of saying, hang on a minute, what are they doing? What have they got that I need to be doing? Yeah. And what, how I need to be, how I need to operate so that you can obviously then raise your game yeah. Because you were turning up, you know, you you'd got the commitment, you'd got the hard work, yeah. and it's it's mirroring then in terms of you know what they're doing. Um, so it's interesting how you say that, and then also then in conjunction with that is how you said about you know educating yourself, changing your mindset, reading, yeah, and really changing your outlook and your approach over what you're capable of as an individual. Because that to me is the area where I am so so passionate about within what you need as a toolkit from you as an individual. Yeah. You know, your numbers are one thing, yeah. which are right in, in terms of saying, you know, that is the lifeblood of your business. Yeah. But if you're not prepared to do all of that extracurricular activity on yourself as an individual to grow yourself, then the numbers are still not going to really no, mean no, that no, much, no, are no. they? I think, I think there's probably maybe a little bit in some people that intrigues them to do a little bit more than that. I've worked with a number of people over the years and the, and the mortgage business is a great example because it's a lot of it is expertise and knowledge in different products and, uh, and, and all the different aspects that you've got to go through it. And I've seen some really, really good people at that. Mm. But it stops there. They, they never earn the big bucks. They never earn money. They never expanded, but they were experts in their field. I would have to go to them to ask them questions. And if they, I always used to think, if they know that, why are they not using that to, to expand that? And I think some people are just either just don't want to, and they're quite comfortable, and that's great, that is, is fantastic. But I looked at that and thought, I didn't want that. It didn't take me very long, really, for them to make me like a team leader sort of thing. So I've got a team working under me, and I was getting a percentage of my team. What can we make our team doing? And, and within that environment, then there, I think there was four different teams and we were working different regions. It, it moved away slightly from the income side of it and the financial side of it to wanting to be the best, to be the number one team. Mm. And that for me was a big, big driver, a big driver. The finances of it came kind of secondary to that. They came along with it. It was to be, I just wanted to be better than those. Mm. So I was having to help my team get a team in, uh, mentality that we need to be better than those mm. and by in doing so we will all earn more money mm. but primarily it was we've got to be better than those mm. we got a team for, uh, from Rotherham and from Barnsley well they can't beat us surely mm. <laughs> we've got we had to be number one and did you get to that number yeah, one yeah spot? yeah we got to number one we kept we and we stayed at number one and 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 we created a, 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 an environment where our little team we, we became quite insular within the office. We were a really, really tight team. It was great. And, and I think it was from that time that I've never really looked back and thought, I've got to get up and go to work. So when you wake up in the morning, you think, oh, I've got to go to work. We've, I think it was from around about that time. I've never had that feeling where, uh, oh, what time is it? It's If you set your alarm clock for whatever you've got to do in the morning, you're getting up. It was, it, it, and I don't think there's probably a better feeling than 
than getting up and wanting to go out to do what you do, whatever it is that you choose to do. I don't think there's a better feeling than getting up and wanting to walk out the door to go to do what you do. Yeah. And I think I got that at that point. That's when you know that you're naturally aligned to something that you're passionate yeah. about, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. you, you, you know, you, you're taking that from it. You've got that fire in your belly, yeah. and yeah. So taking that that experience from like ensuring that you got your team yeah. into that position, and you remained at number one spot, is it safe to say then that what you learned and what you created at that time is what you then took forward into your your business now with yeah. because obviously yeah. you're an ever growing business we, we, yeah without a doubt we did, we did that um and it was it was there were good times and the, the money got better they weren't fantastic but it got better and it, it, it enabled my partner then who's now my wife she we'd had another little boy um i think we were looking back financially we weren't great but it was a good point in it. And then uh, the company that I was working with got bought out, which is a lot of these big financial institutions did at the time. They were all swapping over on a regular basis. They got taken over, another firm came in, changed everything up. The team things, then it kind of dissipated and I ended up working back, just doing my own thing. Financially, it, it, was, it wasn't quite as good. I ended up just getting into a bit of a lull at that point where I was just back working within doing the same thing, but working on my own, but not in a team environment. And I kept going, we were promised certain things by this new company that didn't materialize. So I was then looking and thinking, I've got to get out of this. I'd been there for a number of years, about seven years. And I was thinking, I've got to get out of this. What can we do? And I was speaking to somebody else that I work with and I went round and tried to recruit within our office environment a little bit of a cooperative a breakaway that we can go direct to the banks and negotiate our own deals and we can do this without this big major corporation behind us we can do this um because there was there was a lot of dissatisfaction with the the, the takeover that had taken place i knew a lot of people weren't happy and i managed to get about eight of us and we went and got the premises we we're going to break away i went and meet a couple of big insurance companies and spoke to a few banks and big mortgage lenders and they were going to give us a facility to, to break away. Um, I had to spend months doing this. And then the, the time came to push the button and half of them bottled it at the last minute. Because you've got to go back on your own as opposed to having a guaranteed income. So we went from eight to four, which changed all the numbers. So I had to go back to the insurance company, back to the banks. And then we broke away and we set up a little business on our own. It's a, a, a partnership, four of us. And I remember going to the uh, accountants and saying, this is our new business, this is the model, this is what we're going to use. We're four equal partners, 25% each, da-da-da. Uh, and he kind of looked at me and he had smirks and said, let's see how this goes in 12 months. A four-way partnership. He said, it very rarely works. And I thought, well, we all kind of know each other, we all get on. I think it'll work. And it did work and we worked really well together. We went back to the four of us, just took an office and we took a, a girl to work for us. And we split the office costs four ways and the staff costs and you went out and brought your own business in. 25% of the office costs you paid for, the rest you kept. It was great. And then I went off and tried to build it and I built I built it to an extent where I couldn't cope with the work that I was getting in. So we had a, we had a rethink and then we, had a, we, we remodeled it where we put everything into the pot and we paid ourselves a wage because mm. we'd got some big business coming in. And that worked well for another year or so until there was myself, a girl, and then the other two were a couple. Um, they'd got no kids, they had a great lifestyle, the money was good, and they decided to do what they should be doing, which was taking nice long breaks, and they were going away for four weeks at a time and having lots of holidays. Uh, and I didn't take a holiday for 12 months. I was more concerned about building the business. And then it was a number of people that pointed this out that said, it's a bit lopsided. So when they came back, we sat down, we had a chat and said, uh, I'm going to leave the partnership and I'm going to go out and set up on my own. So uh, one of them said, I could have thought, I, I kind of thought that might come sooner than later. So it was all right. It was semi amicable. Um, and at that point we went and, uh, which was a bit of a blow, we had to go and start again. So I left the partnership, got another premises, um, and then sat in there and thought, all oh, right, 
got a desk, I've got a phone, that I've given it all up again. I gave the hairdressers up, I'd left the mortgage business, I'd left the partnership, and now this is it. This is the, I think that was the first time it was actually just me. And now what do you do? What do you do? You sat there, you've got your desk, you've got your phone, you've got your premises, and I just thought, no, this is it. I'm out. I'm on my own. I don't need to speak to my partners. I don't need to speak to anybody else. I got back into the books. because It was like mental food. Mm. I'm looking at it thinking, I need some help. And I didn't have anybody around me, anybody in peer group. Nobody to speak to. Couldn't speak to my wife about that. She frowned on all that kind of stuff. Oh. She had, there, was, there was no moral support from her in that kind of business building. On the other side of it, my wife at that time, still is my wife, but at that time she came to work for me, work with us in that business. So she gave her job up and we started it together, really. But And this is the birth of Whitehorn? No, this is the birth of our mortgage business. Right, okay. Which dovetails into... Dovetails into the estate agents that yeah. we've got. But yeah, yeah. we've had the... We started the mortgage business in 2000, so we've had that 19 years. Right, okay. And uh, then Whitehorn's estate agency... Came in 2008, about eight years after that. Okay. But it's all part of the same group. Of course, yeah. But we started um, just picking the phone up and start, basically start again. We got all the skills. It was, can you keep getting to a certain level, of the, a, a comfort level, and then dropping down and, and thinking, geez, I've got to start again. Yeah. And then start again and dropping down and starting again. It was, it was getting a bit tedious. <laughs> so talk me through the mental food then that you took from the books. What was it that you needed? What was it that you took from the books? And what books specifically do you remember that you recall that really helped you in those times? I overdosed on them. Anything. <laughs> I was down at water. Any, anything that I could get. But the problem with the books that I was getting and looking and getting into, and, and then at that time it was getting the, uh, the tapes and the sessions and I did all the Anthony Robbins stuff, but the problem that I was finding, and, and I was trying, and the problem I was getting is saying to my wife, "Listen to this," and she just the minute they start with their accent and that whoop 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 thing, she's totally turned off. That was it. She'd gone, and I, I was sat listening to it on my own. But I eventually started using it. It's a bit like, I don't know, like a Buffy style. I'm not going to read the book from cover to cover and think this is exactly what I wanted. It is quite American. So I was just picking the bits out that 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 triggered me. If it triggered me, I, I, I was back into it and highlighting it and then uh, even tearing pages out of books, ruining books, because I'd say 70% of it just didn't float my boat. It was very American, a bit raw, raw, raw. But other little bits, I thought, that triggers it, that gets me going, I can use that, that helps. So it's... It is. It's a bit like going to a buffet. Yeah, you're just selecting. Yeah, exactly you're not going to take. You you're not going to take a sandwich off every plate. Yeah, you're just going to have the bits that you. That I love that. You like. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I don't like that, and I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like pickled onions with a bit of cheese on it. I'm not having that, but I do like that. And I, I, I got those little bits. I was looking back at it and think, this is exciting me now. I can do yeah. it. And I think the fact that I'd eventually got to a point where. It was just us. So it was just us. And I think probably from a, on a personal level, that felt better. So In terms of unity? In terms yeah, of um, yeah. You know, I mean, joint it, vision? Yeah, well, not so much a joint vision because my wife never joined in with that. Right. She's never joined in with the, okay. this is where we want to be and build stuff. You've been the, you've been the visionary That's, in that. Yeah. And, your wife's and we didn't even share that. Right, okay. Interesting. We didn't, sh we didn't share a lot of that. If I did, try to share this and saying, look, we can build this. It was not frowned upon, but kind of just dismissed. Right. Just, I could see her looking at me and blazing her eyes over and thinking, yeah, whatever. She's just not like that. Okay. We're probably polar opposites in that sense. But nobody works harder than her. You, you could give her a workload of five people and it would get done. Yeah. So we kind of dovetail a bit in that. Yeah but not in, in where we, at that point, where we wanted to be. That's changed over the years. I think she's changed massively from what she was then to what she is now. Now she's joining in with that kind of thing. Now she's joining in with, we can build this, we can do this, we can do that. 
Um, I guess that's the increase in confidence and increase in belief over the, the momentum and the results, though, that you've been putting together, is it? Yeah, ve- very much so. I mean, she's the, we came from very similar backgrounds. She came from a family of six kids, again, from a working-class background, and a mum did a bit of cleaning in pubs, a dad was a bricklayer. It, they were very, very uh, similar to, uh, to us in that circumstance. So I think it was just the fact that, again, looking back at that, I don't think she'd done the she'd worked in an office she'd not done the things i'd done since i went traveling and came back she'd not done any of that so just listening to me rabbit on about it i don't think it it never triggered it but uh, over the years i've seen an enormous change in her confidence wise but she i think she's more of a i wouldn't even say now she's like good in the background she's not she's she's not just good in the background We've had a couple of these local regional magazines come in and saying that they're doing a, a big spread on women in business. Would she like to contribute? Not a chance. Really? She, no <laughs> way would she ever do anything like that. She wouldn't have, no, she'd sit there and just do what we need to do. But looking back then, I'm saying we felt a lot better, but looking to grow the business, I think she just went, let me do that and let me get on with it. And yeah. whatever she needed to do, she did. But we looked at that and I thought, I remember sitting and taking all this information in, but just going through planning after planning after planning. The amount of plans that I did and wrote down and goal setting and all that kind of, I did all that. Yeah. Still do. Yeah. I did all that. And then I'd get to a certain point and rip it up because that's not working. Instead of giving up on goal setting, I just changed it and just kept changing it and changing it. Uh, Silly. Listen to me. Listen to me. Uh, until until the kind of goals matched our activity and what we could do. So I'm not getting disappointed if we get, I mean, I set some goals that we never hit, but I just wouldn't let myself get disappointed or downhearted about that. I'd change it and then go again. Yeah. Um, and it's that going again, it's that consistency, it's that commitment, it's that driving the determination that you spoke about because you, you've obviously got that naturally within you. Yeah for you to kind of wipe the slate clean, walk away from different businesses, give it in, say it's not working and start again. Yeah. And that is that is to me what epitomizes an entrepreneur. Yeah. The fact that you that you can take the risks and know that with those risks, even mm. though you know you're looking at things in terms of what you know that you need to take into consideration mm. and reviewing an analysis of the numbers and working on yourself and all the other attributes that we've spoken yeah. about. You can't always guarantee the end result and the outcome, oh, no, can we, you? And, and, it, it, and it's not always good. I remember uh, in the in, in the early years, we've refinanced the house, we've taken mortgages out um, because it's it's not always there. It's not oh, I've had a good idea, let's do this, and then the money will follow straight away. It very very rarely would that happen. We've we've remortgaged to an extent where there was nothing left. Um, uh, and we've 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 done we've gone into massive amount of debts, but the vision and the determination never wavered. Well, it didn't from me. Yeah. Probably did from Suzanne. It did from her a number of times. Um, and and when you when you if I mean a lot of people would never never do this. It'd be in business with a wife and go to work together every day. It very rarely works. I, I don't know many people that do do that. But it kind of worked for us in the, I don't know how or why, but it, it kind of just did. But we, we just kept, like I said, if, if, the, if, if the vision or the goal wasn't working, then there must have been something wrong. Let's, let's redo it, revisit it. Why? Mm. Why did it not work? And often if you self-analysis, you can find out why it didn't work. And a lot of it will be because you didn't do what you thought. You, you didn't follow the steps you said you were going to say. Yeah. You might have had your eye on the, on the, the end prize, but you didn't follow the, the, yeah, the everyday, the day-to-day steps that it took you to get there. And we kept, kept going backwards and forwards. And I remember thinking, I want to get to a, a, a million pounds of the lending. Then I want, in the mortgage business, I want to get to 10 million pounds of the lending. And I think we started it in 2000 when we went on our own around about that time. And at the point, I think it was around about just after the financial crisis, around about the time of the financial crisis, because we, we started building a team then. It was one of us, um, and me and Suzanne, we, we brought more people in and we built the team up and we got more mortgage brokers working with us and we expanded it and we brought more business in from different sources and 
it went up and up and up and up and we got to a billion pounds worth of lending. And I remember we went past that mark without me even thinking about it. I didn't even know we'd done it wow. until I think it was one of the girls who was working for us, she always she does a lot of our numbers. You know, she always went through a billion pounds worth of lending. I said, wow, when, when did we go through that? She said, about six months ago. So I thought that was from taking a little office on wood seats and a desk and a phone yeah. and having it starting again to a number of years later and getting through a billion pounds of lending was I thought then that's I, quite a milestone it isn't is, it is yeah I even took a bit of time to think yeah that's not bad that yeah which we very rarely did we never even thought about it but then Susie phoned me one day and I was traveling back up from London and she said oh it's just been on the news that Northern Rock's shut and there's a run on the bank and that was the start of the financial crisis and everything we did was linked to that. So oh. she's saying, how's this going to affect us? Uh, and I was thinking, I said, don't worry about it. it. There's been ups and downs. There'll, there'll always be ups and downs and peaks and troughs. So don't worry about it. We generally last about six months. We didn't expect it to. And we had no provision for it to last as long as it did. Mm. And we'd not put enough provisions aside. Now, looking back on it, we would have probably been better off locking the door. Probably doing Northern Rock, just locking the door and shutting it down. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't. Probably a little bit st stubbornish. I didn't think it would last as long as it, it did. Mm. I didn't want to make anybody redundant. All these people who work for us, the, 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 it is a family business. They're like family. We treat them like family. We were a close-knit group. So there was no way anybody was going to make, make redundant. At first, I think we muddled on, kind of bit of head in the sand that this won't last. And then then it really started to bite. And now we, we, we I'm forecasting it now, going through these numbers again. And we're going to be in trouble, big trouble, where instead of making money, we start to lose money. And then the month after, we'd lose a little bit more. And if we follow the forecast forward, and unless something changes externally, this is going to continue. We quickly diversified, but we maintained the business. We maintained the mortgage business, and we didn't, fool, probably foolishly, we didn't get rid of anybody. We needed to cut costs, but we didn't. We ended up, again, selling assets that we built up over the first 10 years. So we're selling those, but we're selling them in a fire sale, so that's not good. We Again, we, it was like going right back round to square one. We're paying people on credit cards now. But we diversified quickly into uh, still in the property business, but we were in facilities management, building control, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Through people we knew using using the network, but trying getting other sources of business. Um, it was at right at the time that we just opened the estate agency. So now the estate agency is open. In fact, the estate agency opened the week Northern Rock shut down. We put our, we, the sign writer was putting the sign up when it came on the news that the uh, that Northern Rock had closed. I'd, I'd, got, I'd got my accountant for the first time ever, got out of his office and drove to our office to say, this is not a good idea. Um, the bank, when we were opening a bank account for the estate agents, was just, he was almost hesitant to give us a, a current account. We weren't yeah. asking for any facility for them. And I just said, look, just give us a current account. It's got nothing to do with you, what we're doing. Yeah. We're not asking for your money. So realistically, it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. Um, and they did do that. But everybody was looking. If I'd have gone up Dragon's Den, if I'd gone up in the lift with an idea that we're going to open a estate agent. <laughs> right have been right straight back down. I'd have been back down the lift. <laughs> Peter Jones, give me a, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, and it was, it was tough. It was tough. But again, I think going back to that tenacity and looking at things like that, We'd made sure that we weren't overexposed financially in the estate agents, but it was we weren't getting anything back. So it it, it took a bit of time to to move forward because of the market. Really, we just a, a market that we couldn't control. So it was it was a tough few years for me. Two thousand eight to two thousand twelve was was particularly challenging. I can wholly imagine. I mean, a couple of things spring to mind, you know, when when we're going through all of this, Ian, and that's the fact of how much perseverance you've got, yeah, how much courage you've had to display over the years, because you know decisions like what you're making and to keep mm. your metal 
you know, yeah. in these situations is is quite a task. It is, and I, I, I get asked quite a bit, well, what, what does it take? What, what kind of attributes do you need to have? And I would have never said look is, is in there whatsoever. But I, had, I did say to, to my wife now, I think it was, it was quite fortunate that we did keep going and did fight our way through those years. And it was pretty bad, pretty bad. I mean, to the extent where I'm, I'm getting woken up at four o'clock in the morning because my wife's crying. She's crying because we, we haven't got... It's uncertain, isn't We it? haven't got anything to pay the staff at the end of the month. And there's nowhere else we can go for money now. Mm. And I remember getting annoyed with her because she's woken me up at four o'clock in the morning. Very, not, not very understanding at all. I said, you can wake me up at six because I can get up and go and do something. But waking me up at four, just... No, and we, had, we had a little bit of a row about that. And that's her way of dealing with stuff. But we, we managed... To k- just to keep going, and it was that perseverance and that grit, and it it did affect us at the time. It was it was really tough, but looking back, and the reason that the uh, mortgage business has has probably now moved on to a whole new level is I put down to the reason that we did keep going, because when it came back, all our competition had gone. They'd all gone. There was you only us left. Yeah, well, we were, we're the we're the only game in town now. Yeah. So, so when it came back, and it came back kind of slowly, and built up, we was we we were the only player left. Yeah. So we were able to to build quickly, in the years from say 2013, 14 to now, we've more than doubled in size. And on the back of that, so all the businesses are kind of linked. Yeah. The estate agents. What we were looking at at the time, is that we were through the mortgage business. We were dealing with a lot of estate agents. They were referring mortgage business to us. We're, we were looking at the things that that we thought they weren't very good at, and that most people, what most people's biggest issue with agents was trust and service. Mm-hmm. So we'd built a mortgage business up, and people will only come to you and ask them to ask you to look after their mortgage and their money if they a like you and secondly trust you. So we thought we'd got that with our clients, and we've got quite a big client base. We thought we could go to them and use that model and be better at service than the other agents. Now, I think the other agents probably perceived that they were doing that, but in the early years, in the boom years, they took their eye off the ball. They didn't need to be good at service. If they're not going to sell it to you, they'll sell it to somebody else because mm. the buyers are all out there. Everybody's falling over themselves to buy it. I could have set a pasting table up and a sign on a, in a pub car park mm. and sold houses. Anybody could have done it because everybody was after it. But you were thinking of the long game then. Yeah, and it was like, what's going to happen there? Can we be better? Can we do the things better that they're not doing? Yeah, and I think that's what's uh, apparent in today's market in the city for you Mm. and your name and your reputation is that initial family culture that you talk about. You know, that your wife was up crying about because it means so much that, you know, you're keeping that network together. You're, you know, you care about your staff, you care about the culture, Mm. you care about reputation. And it's having that where you've backed yourself. It's actually then, um, even through the toughest times where you're like, we're not even sure what's gonna happen hour to hour, never mind day by day, but week by week. I think it's times like that when you displayed that courage, that grit, that determination, that support network at home as well, yeah, even yeah. though sometimes you feel as though, it, or it might have felt like you were on different pages, but you still backed each other oh, yeah, yeah. and backed the bigger plan. You, that's what's paying off today, isn't it? it yeah, when you look, you look back and you kind of add the, because this is what we've, we've nearly always done, you very rarely take stock and look back and think, well, how's that happened? What have we done? A lot of it think, it's, it's kind of a natural progression. I think it's really, really important when you look back and you think you, you, you can't grow without a good team. Mm. So uh, recruitment and selection is, in a business like ours, I suppose in any business, is vitally important. Vitally important because we, we work in kind of a big team environment in, in all our businesses. It's getting the right people in there. If you get a wrong one, and touch wood, we've, that's very rarely happened to us because it's not very often we recruit down the, the normal routes that most people take, agencies, advertising, those kind of things. We, we very rarely have done that. We kind of look, if we need to expand, we'll look, or we might meet, we might not even be looking to expand, but we might meet somebody, get, come into contact with somebody and thinking, 
you can it's like talent spotting mm. they're good hand selected yeah they're knowing good. what will fit with yeah. you and your, they'd be your good values with us. Yeah, yeah they'd be good with us and and we've done a lot of that over the years mm. and it, mortgage especially mortgage broking the turnover of staff is probably one of the biggest in the business everybody's flitching from one company to another company for an extra little bit or this or they're not happy in that environment or for whatever reason um we've i think it was what was it now 19 years the average length of time people have been with us is over 13 years wow and that's our average and we've got people who've only started a year ago so we got we've got people there who came after myself and susie started this we've got people who were there in, from the beginning really mm. we're still there mm. um, i'm not surprised to hear that though judging by what you said going back to when you was a mortgage broker in a in a job yeah you know when you're commission yeah. only and, yeah. and and you know what you took from that in terms of when you said okay let's work as a team and how can we all make more money together? Yeah, yeah. How can we have more job satisfaction together? Yeah. How can we all look at creating this environment that we're all winning from, yeah. that we yeah. want to get out of bed for yeah. in the morning? So I'm not surprised that then you've taken that through and that's that's the culture then that you've, that you've born and, and that's, you know, that's yeah. Whitehorn's is a fundamentally People set like on, that. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so the, uh, in, a, in, the, in the mortgage broking company, there's, big open plan offices there's no hierarchy we all sit in the same seat i mean we've just redeveloped our offices and now i think i've got a little it's not big a little fancy office where i sit behind You're some right, class. Like yeah. so but it's everybody's the same as everybody else from the girl who's probably the newest starter so she'll be classed as office junior to the people who've been there for 16 17 years if it's uh, somebody's making a cup of tea anybody will make it somebody's going to shop anybody will go and get the sandwiches I'm taking the sandwich order at lunchtime and I'll go and fetch them I'll, I'm stood in the kitchen I'll do the pots nobody has any kind of job role we're all, we're all in there everybody's yeah. in there together everybody knows each other we do socialise we can socialise together it's a real real good feeling team environment but we all know the job everybody's individually knows their role or what they need to do and it's in any kind of business like ours, it's very target driven. Everybody knows what they need to do. So we've never sacked anybody in 19 years. Nobody's ever got sacked. And it's a performance based business. If somebody drops below the expected performance, we look at that and think, well, when they started it, they've been above that. Something happened somewhere. Something's happened somewhere. So we would focus all our attention on getting them back to where they want to be, not where we need them to be, but where they want to be, find out what it is, what's happened in personal life, yet work-wise, something's happened to make them drop below that line. We'd probably focus more our t attention on that individual than we would on somebody who's flying and bringing on all the money. Mm. They're fine, we can leave them alone, mm. but it's, get, it's helping the ones that are at the bottom that move them up to the next one. Get, get the bottom level up to this level. And we've got kind of a, a red line thing that we don't want our broker's staff to, to drop below. And we have that. Everybody knows it. We very rarely get people going below it. But if you're above that and beyond, we've, they're all employed. They're not, they don't go through the environment I went through where they're commission only and they only get paid a bit of bonuses. They're, they all get great salary. They get great bonus system. Everybody, and, and I keep it... I, I look at the industry standards and I want to keep ours above them because mainly the people would move for either job satisfaction or money. They could have great job satisfaction but they're not getting enough money so I keep ours above where we need to be. Uh, and I think it's born out of the fact that people don't move. So we keep them above there but when if they're beyond that then it becomes, even though they're employed, we don't have any rules as such or you've got to be in for nine o'clock. You, it's, it's a nine till five. If if you're doing what you need to do within your business, then I'm not bothered. If you might not be in on a Monday morning, got, I don't. I don't see. They've got that autonomy then, haven't they? And give, they've got their own call. Yeah, they've you've effectively given them their own business unit. Yeah, and the, the, I mean, we look at uh, standard things: five to seven weeks holiday a year. They're booking the holidays. Can I have a job at Whitehorns? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 not. We, we kick that right out the window. There's, there is no five to seven weeks. If you want to go on holiday, go on holiday. And I remember looking at, watching a program about uh, Apple and Google and the way that they have turned their 
office space into a really casual environment. Yeah. And I was thinking, we were doing that 10 years ago before it became fashionable. I was over in uh, Seattle a year ago. I was sat outside Amazon's office. And it's absolutely stunning. Uh, and the door opens for lunch and they're all coming out and they're all getting the lunch in this big plaza. It's all owned by Amazon. They're all got bringing their dogs out. And I was saying to a girl who uh, sat next to me, I said, oh yeah, you can, you can bring your dog to work on a Friday. I said, oh right, she said, oh, isn't it great? I said, well, you can bring your dog to work any day at my place. So I'm thinking, well, we, we're in front of that. I've had people bring, bring the dogs in because the dog's not very well. Leave them in the office, it's fine. We're, all, we're, we're, we're cool with that. I had a girl uh, a few months ago who bought a kitten, didn't want to leave it alone, so we had a kitten in the office for three months. Nobody could bring a dog because the kittens took over. So <laughs> we're kind of cool with that as well. We think, yeah, you want to bring your kitten in, bring it in. It's good for staff. Everybody's petting the kitten. So if everybody's happy at work, if, 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 if people are happy in the, in the job and, and, the, and they're getting paid well and they, and they like coming in, it gets you away from that, Shh, I've got to go to work or it's Monday. I mean, we're all on that social media and you look at it and everybody's putting on posts about, oh my God, is it, is it only Wednesday already? And I'm thinking, well, sometimes I don't even know what day it is. Yeah. You get up and you go and do it because you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, the culture that you talk about there within the offices and your environment is a total credit to you because any culture that's created in that respect has to come from the top down. Mm. And it's a, it's, it's a true representation of, of, of you, to yeah. be fair, because, you know, in your company, you're so unassuming, you're very humble, you want to help others, you want to bring other people up because you know exactly what it's like when you you know, when you're yeah. down and what is needed and you know, how then you've you've needed further inspiration and help and and increased confidence and the mindset tools and what have you. So all of what you've just described there with how you operate and how you help people if they're underperforming and things does not surprise me one iota there, Ian. I read, I read something, I don't know when it was, could be ages ago, is like, we're all, we all have different emotions at different times, don't you? You can't always feel up. Some of, the, some of the decisions I've made in business, some of the worst decisions I've made are when we've been doing really well. Yeah. If we're doing really well, you also almost think you're infallible. I've made some terrible decisions when we're doing well. Uh, and likewise, if you're feeling really down, you, you find it very difficult to make a decision when you're down. Yeah. So you have an ability to make a decision because you're feeling down in the dumps and nothing happens. Mm. Whereas if you're really flying, I'll make some stupid decisions because you think, well, I can't do any wrong, but you do. If, you, if you're really, really up, sometimes you just have to control yourself and get down, which is, I think, probably why our business works quite well because I'm married to somebody who keeps your feet right on the ground. But when you're down, and I read this somewhere ages ago, it's, it's difficult, what can you do to get yourself back up to feeling good? Or if you've had somebody say something bad at you, if, you, if you've, especially nowadays, if you, if you look online and everybody's reviewing everything, yeah. it's something bad review, or you've heard somebody say something bad about you, or something's not right. I read it somewhere and I've tried this and it works really, really well for me, is that you go and do something good for somebody else. Mm. So if you get up and you're feeling really, really bad, I, I had looked around and said, who can I help? Is it somebody at work that needs a bit of help, or is it somebody in our community that needs help? To do a bit, we do quite a lot of charity work now. So if you go and do that, something somewhere in your psyche triggers it to say you've done something good, and it makes you feel ten times better. And you forget about the fact that you something's happened to you and you were down. It may I don't know what it is that makes you feel better, but it makes you feel better. Yeah. So just by going and helping somebody else makes you feel better. Now a lot of that that can be done at work or through your staff or. Mm doing that or just do, do something good for somebody else do yeah. something nice to somebody else and I always feel that that really helps us keeps me out of that mindset where I'd, you need lifting up or you might have to get back into your books or listen to some tapes or mm -hmm. put your headphones on if you're on the train or go and listen to something else yeah. if you're thinking I need a bit of a lift and I think everybody does need Absolutely, Everybody and it's important you say that because it's not a case of, you know, you, you were reading books back then when, yeah. you know, you were back out starting on your own and it was you and your wife. Yeah. It's not a case of that you read books and you took it at that time. All of this in terms of your awareness, your mindset, your emotion control and everything is a constant is a constant work in progress, isn't it? 
yeah. Because there's always things that are happening. And I think that is crucial for the listeners to appreciate that it's not a case of you're sat here now saying, oh, yeah, I'm sat in my ivory tower and everything's rosy. Um, You know, like it it is a case of you have to keep on top of all of this every day, every week, every month, you know, and it's a a constant progression. The, the, The bigger your business gets, and ours is not a big, big business, in comparison, it's 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 a, it's at a size that we are comfortable with. Um, we like it at that. We are we are we, you're always looking to improve and, and 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 move forward. I don't like to think that we're ever sat still, but we don't want to be thinking it gets something to where we lose the the kind of uh, informality that we've already got. We like it where it is. We want to we want to move forward. We want to improve. Again, looking back at that, uh, where we, we, we were working in teams, um, we're we're quite close now to getting to the end of the uh, to the end of the year, and I've got the guy who, who basically runs our estate agency side on a day-to-day basis. He's sending me all the data that we could be number one again in the city for the second year running, and 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 for both of us, for me and him, that's it's absolutely crucial. So he's getting up every day. I'm speaking to him every morning. Say, and we're almost checking what everybody else is doing, mm. thinking that getting to that number one thing is 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 a big feather for us. Mm. And only between me and him. Mm. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere else. Although he does, he just try and stick it out there. But that's our little thing. We yeah. want to be there. Yeah. So it's those kind of things that still drive. What what is it that drives you forward? But you've still got on the on the flip side in any kind of business, and you've got to be ready for this. If you and you. Going back to our initial point on the numbers, you can't lose sight of those. Yeah. But your business gets bigger, the numbers get bigger, and then your income that you need for that, and the demands on you as a person. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. Bigger. Yeah, you you can't get you can't get away from that fact that you've got more staff, and then your outgoings can be. If you don't keep your eye on the ball, mm. a couple of little downturns can can finish businesses, and we've all seen it happen. Yeah, we've all seen it happen. I've, I've dealt with loads and loads of people all, all, over these last few years that have, that have had businesses and they've gone and they've tried it again. They've gone. It's that small attention to detail, going back to the original thing. If you haven't got them all, we talked about it there, saying you have a bit of tenacity and, and hard work and a bit of talent. If you don't keep it all a, an eye on that bottom line. And the, one of the biggest things I've seen in businesses, is people I've worked with, is that they run their own business and they get a bit beyond themselves and they're taking too much out, saying, this is my business. This is what I've got, and, and and get themselves into a lifestyle that the business can't afford. Mm. So, uh, and I always look at those and think you're in it for the wrong reasons yeah. there, and it generally happens where they're spending money that's not theirs. Or um, like you said, it's not sustainable. Well, yeah, it isn't. It's not sustainable, and, no. and if you're spending uh, money that the company's not earned yet, then it yeah. isn't. It's not your money, and you're still spending it. I've a bit of a bugbear about that, but the. Um, You've got to really, really be careful. It's an everyday thing. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Okay, cool. So just to wrap this up then, Ian, what would you say that you would consider doing differently if you were to start out today? Do it earlier. Earlier? Yeah. Okay. I feel as though you'd learn from your mistakes. Would you? Obviously, you say you wouldn't make the same mistakes again. So hindsight is an absolutely wonderful thing. If you're saying... What would I do differently? I wouldn't make the mistakes, but I didn't know I was going to make them until I made them. You've so I don't do think you're ever going to get away yeah. from that. That's if you're going to try and help people, you can't say don't make a mistake. Nobody makes it on purpose. The only thing I I, I would do differently, really, is I'd have done it ten years earlier. Mm-hmm. Because once I got into it, it's something I never wanted to turn back from. That's probably the only thing I'd change. Just take the action, don't wait. Exactly. I, uh, yeah, you, you do see it. If I could change one thing, I'd have done it from day one yeah. instead of waiting all those years to think right now. I'm eventually on my own. Yeah. I think if I could, if I'd have done it ten years ago, I'd have, everything would have been ten years earlier. Yeah. I wouldn't be sat here now thinking, well, I've still got to go to work. Yeah. But the uh, I do enjoy it, so it's not really a bad thing. I'd probably still be doing it. I could have enjoyed the time doing it earlier. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time there. I'm sure um, all the listeners there will agree that that was such a good interview. So many valuable nuggets there and you know, you've got so much wisdom to share. I'm really, I'm really privileged actually to get you onto this interview. I learn oh, a lot from you. you every day in terms of you know, what you've shared with me about business and what have you. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate that. Thanks, enjoyed that. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.